On the Record with Gavin Riley. Brought to you by PwC on News Talk. Ordinarily, this is the time of the morning where I'd say bit of variety in the front pages of the Sun newspapers. Um, not so much today. Uh, it is, as you can expect, wall-to-wall coverage of uh, the future of RTE, the future of Ryan Tuberty and all the other ancillary issues uh, that go with it. Um, let's start with the Irish Mail on Sunday. RTE won't chase tubs for 150k payment, is the headline there. RTE will not chase axed presenter Ryan Tuberty for the 150000 he offered to repay as part of the initial deal for him to return to the station. It comes as sources revealed that the 50-year-old, uh, who has spent the last few tumultuous days keeping a low profile in Connemara, had been celebrating his return with friends before the deal went sour. Uh, a source told the Irish Mail on Sunday it was to be paid voluntarily, so it's hard to see how RTE could legally uh, go after it. And there is extensive coverage of uh, what Ryan Tuberty has been doing uh, in Clifton on the Tolliers uh, inside the Irish Mail on Sunday, if that's what tickles your fancy. Uh, the Business Post, RTE braces for legal action over Backhurst's reforms. RTE is moving to insulate the organisation against any legal action that could be brought by staff named in ongoing probes, the Business Post has learned. that Plans are now in place to reform various levels of the organisation on foot of the reports commissioned in the wake of the Ryan Tuberty payment scandal. DG Kevin Backhurst has engaged with external legal advisors to insulate RTE against being sued by staff whose roles are changed as part of his reform agenda by ensuring any such changes are legally sound. And obviously inside the paper, a full rundown of the Business Post perspective of the events this week that led to Ryan Tuberty almost returning to the airwaves and then being told that not now, at least. Um, also on the front page of the Business Post, by the way, just to illustrate that there are some other non-RTE stories. Uh, Michael Brennan tells us in the Business Post that households and businesses are facing a second carbon tax on oil, gas and coal next year, which would ultimately increase energy bills by over 10%. Eamon Ryan is bringing in a new renewable heat rule to discourage the continued use of fossil fuels. It will require gas companies to supply their customers with a certain volume of biogas generated from the likes of food waste, farm slurry and grass silage. Estimates from the Department of the Environment state that maximum fuel costs for oil, gas and coal could increase by up to 10.4% as a result uh, by the end of the decade at least. Uh, that comes on top of a further scheduled increase of, in carbon tax of €7.50 on fossil fuels in the budget in October. And also on the front page of the Business Post just for now, uh, mortgage interest rate for homeowners in financial distress and a ramped up bank levy are strongly being considered as part of budget 2024. Only eight weeks to go, folks. Uh, Set your watches. Uh, Front page of the Sunday Independent. Backhurst wanted an excuse to pull out of deal, uh, Dash Tuberty. Uh, That's the headline there. Not a direct quote from Ryan Tuberty, but we are told uh, in the piece in the Sunday Independent that Ryan Tuberty's team believed that RTE was, quote, looking for a reason to terminate the plan to bring him back in September and that nothing in his statement on Wednesday justified the decision to end his RTE career. Tuberty, whose agent Noel Kelly claimed to have brought in €100 million in revenue to RTE uh, over eight years, sorry, that is a revenue brought in by Tuberty, not by Noel Kelly, obviously, uh, is said to be reeling from RTE's U-turn. The Sun Independent understands that when told of the decision uh, that the presenter asked Director General Kevin Backhurst, is there no way back? A two-year, 170 grand a year deal uh, for Tuberty to return to a 9am weekday radio slot and develop a podcast series had been presented to RTE's uh, remuneration committee for approval on Monday. Uh, and RTE was said to be in the middle of drafting the wording of an announcement on his return when a media release was issued on Tuberty's behalf. Yesterday, senior RTE sources said the statement was met with anger in Montrose because it showed that Ryan's true feelings are that he still has not respected and not accepted any responsibility. But a source close to Tuberty said yesterday that the presenter's approval for a planned joint statement announcing his return could have involved 
him conceding some blame, which would not have been an issue, uh, says the Sindo. Uh, and finally for now, uh, the Sunday Times, again taking a governmental aspect on things. Um, Leo Varadkar said last night the government has yet to receive a bailout figure from RTE as Catherine Martin, the media minister, came under intense criticism for her handling of the crisis. It is understood that a figure uh, of some sort of emergency uh, funding for RTE is likely to be proposed before the budget in October. Speaking to the Sunday Times yesterday, the Taoiseach said, I think there will need to be a sum, but also an agreement on cost reduction and reform. But also we need to bite the bullet and legislate for a new system in 2024 and have it in place by 25. Varadkar described the current TV license system as a really old fashioned way of collecting revenue and has been critical of the fact that almost all of the money goes to RTE, despite the fact that other bodies are also involved in public service broadcasting. Uh, that is your, your rundown of... Um, the pretty uniform stories that are making the front pages of the main papers this morning. Join the studio to discuss those uh, by Breda Brown, who's the co-founder and communications director of Unique Media, and by Gary Murphy, professor of politics at Dublin City University. Uh, good morning to you both. Uh, I should say, by the way, this wasn't intentional, but we were all in the studio wearing red this morning, uh, which is no longer uh, the official News Talk colour palette. But as it just so happens, uh, the Women's World Cup final is on the TV in the corner and uh, Spain are wearing red. Uh, I don't know whether to try and do some armchair psychology and just ascribe some latent anglophobia among the three of us, but we'll, we'll eke on. John Duggan, by the way, will be with us at halftime uh, in the Women's World Cup final to give us a rundown on how it's all going. Uh, in the meantime, uh, Brida, we'll start with yourself. Um, there is a huge amount of RTE and Ryan Tuberty themed content. Not for the first time, as we said, Not for the uh, first in the papers. Time. What's jumping out at you today? So it's across all the front of the pages, obviously, and then there's acres of it inside. So a huge amount of it is content that we already know and stuff that we've seen from from during the week. So a lot of it is sort of going back over, over old ground. Um, a few new, small new pieces, I suppose. Um, there is the concern or the question around legal action. Will potentially Ryan Tuberty maybe take legal action um, and in the business post um, it's saying Orty is uh, bracing itself for potential legal action from some of the other members of the team yeah. uh, and of the staff who not have also Tuberty been part specifically, of this. Not Tuberty specifically but rather just some of the omelettes that are going to have yeah. to be or eggs broken to make the omelettes. Exactly, future. exactly. Yeah. Um, so I suppose now the focus and there is a bit of focus on what is next for RTE so what do they do next mm. so we heard um, yesterday uh, or during the week in fact that they are now from tomorrow morning the show is going to be called the 9 o'clock show with mm. Oliver Callan or with Brendan Courtney or whoever it might be so they've airbrushed out Ryan Tuberty's name it's obviously it's gone as such um, there's conversations going on internally about um, will they you know potentially look at the schedule can they give the schedule a, a full yeah. shake up now mm. there's an opportunity to do this I have some um, theories on that but I might come back to them in a few minutes exactly and then in the Sunday Independent they're saying a new presenter could be in there within two weeks and they're potentially saying it's the biggest shake up since Pat Kenny left so it's it's interesting in terms of where Orte goes then there's a lot of conversation around well what about Ryan Tuberty mm. where is he going to go next or what's going to happen um, <coughs> a lot of commentary in the paper saying that he no needs to just sort of stay quiet and just be calm for the moment and, and figure things out. Yeah. Um, there is conversations around could he potentially go to Virgin, uh, Virgin Media to do a TV show there. There's a piece by Neve Walsh in The Mail uh, which is saying that Virgin Media has no interest in recruiting ex-presenter Ryan Tuberty. Senior sources at the station have confirmed. Right. Um, it also goes on in the same slot and mentions News Talk um, despite rumours in some circles that News Talk is planning to sign the jobless star one well-placed source there's no race for Ryan. There's no sprint. There's not even a slow jog. So 
this is, I suppose, you know, and the other aspect with, with News Talk as well, to parachute Tuberty in, they would have to jettison somebody else out of the studio. And that is the case with mm. all other radio stations and Today FM well, as well. Case to case with anything, that there, there are no obvious vacancies anywhere else on, on, on primetime schedules. So then you'd have to try and manufacture a vacancy or move somebody else out. If you were trying, whether it's on TV or radio or anywhere, you'd have to unseat somebody else, which is exactly. comes with its own costs and difficulties. And also then, who is his audience? You know, so his audience on RT Radio 1 has been quite an older audience, generally 50 plus. So, you know, is he going to bring some of those? And we know, you know, News Talk's um, uh, previous one was change the dial, you know. Yeah. It is hard to get people to change the dial from what mm. they ordinarily listen to. So where is that older audience going to go to? Also, he's not hardcore news and current affairs, you know. So he is much more light entertainment. So you can see where the opportunities here are narrowing, narrowing yeah. quite a bit. Um, and then there's conversation as well around, he'll go to the UK. I can't see him going to the UK. He filled in on the BBC 10 years ago. Senior management in BBC mm. have changed quite significantly since. BBC Radio 2 have already just had a show up with um, Scott Mills moving in there and yeah. um, and uh, Vernon Kay. They also there's, have Sarah Cox and, and Zoe Ball. Yeah, there's also the, the fact as well, sorry to interrupt you midstream, the fact that Ryan Tuberty, although he's done a bit of subbing, he is not a very prominent media figure in the UK. And, and he's, he's not known. And he's, he's 50 known. years old. Mm-hmm. And you'd wonder whether uh, the BBC or any other commercial station is going to uh, create a, a, a prime time because it would probably have to be a prime but time why would vacancy. They? He's not a well known for, for a fifty year old unknown. Yeah, exactly. Britain. It's plus, hard to imagine. Plus, the other aspect um, on this is why would the BBC take on somebody that has already caused, has been the centre and the face of a huge controversy for the Irish public service broadcaster? Why would the British public mm. service broadcaster do that? So I, I really can't see that. Can't see that happening. But look, who knows? We saw this week. A week is a long time and. Not just in politics, <laughs> but in media. So anything could happen in the next yeah. couple of weeks. Uh, Michael in Cork uh, speculates that Dermot and Dave could become Ryan and Dave. Uh, stranger things have happened. Uh, I, I don't see it happening, but stranger things have happened. <clears throat> and Sean and Wexford said the people are having their say on Ryan Tuberty. Notice the TV licence fall in payments. Ryan Tuberty's position in RTE uh, was not tenable, uh, says Sean in Wexford. Uh, 087-1400-106 is the number for your WhatsApp. Gary Murray from DCU, good morning to you. Um, there is any amount of coverage. Uh, what jumped out at you this morning? Well, there does seem to be a theme that uh, if Tuberty had kind of kept quiet when Grant Thornton 2 was a release or maybe issued a statement, I, I was mentioning this to Reid earlier, that I welcome the Grant Thornton report, full stop. Yeah. Mm. Uh, that, uh, There's this the, kind of expectation that he needed to say something when, when I'm, to, I'm not sure he had to say anything. Well, to quote a rival station that he had to have the sort of last word um, <laughs> would seem to me to be... Yeah, <laughs> and, and Matt Cooper has a very good piece actually in the Business Post on his, uh, in his typical format of dividing it up into subsections uh, lots of questions about was Turbidy badly treated uh, whose fault is it uh, has RT any hope mm. in terms of uh, recovering its uh, financial position and uh, it's, it's a very good piece I would recommend that uh, there's lots of really in, in extraordinary detail there's a great piece I think by uh, Mark Tiny Forn <laughs> and Gabby Gattavai Kaite on the uh, lack of contrition is the sort of mm. the big headline there a tale of pride fame money and the succession of a new leader mm. has resulted mm. in the most gripping story of the summer and it is do, gripping do, do but do it's think? also like it sums up it's it seems to me it is a great tale of our celebrity culture. You know, it's got a big celebrity. It's got a lot of money. I mean, there's a lot of money is at the heart of it. Mm. And um, and it's kind of a sort of tale of our times. It's everyone it for to a me. novel, nearly, well, you know? Yeah, yes. Yeah, so, someone write a good book about it. Yeah. Uh, well, maybe Tumberley could write a book. I mean, he's written two other books before and he had a very big deal. Now, having written lots of books myself, which made like very little money, so <laughs> maybe my last one. But uh, I mean, he had a very good deal. I seem to remember for a two book deal. So there are yeah. certain, and, you know, and he can write. Well, interestingly, uh, so, you he know, can write. And in the 
Sunday Indo as well today. It mentions that his bio on his Instagram feed has now changed. It used to be presenter of the Toby Show on RT Radio yeah. 1. Uh, as what, of yesterday, author. Oh, and that's the only thing that's there, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, just right. author and the names of three of the books he's written. One was the, the non-fiction one, I think, yeah. on, on JFK. Author, JFK in Ireland, Patrick and the President and the First Christmas Jumper and a little tricolour emoji. That's all. But describe yourself as, as an author, not even describing yourself as, as a, a broadcaster. broadcaster. So that that sort of is is quite telling. And to go back to what um, Gary was saying, absolutely, from a personal perspective, you know, everybody needs to, have, we should have empathy for everybody who's involved here. There are people in the middle of all of this and it's very tough. There's also families and friends that are mm. that are that are involved, you know. Yeah. Um, but look, I think there's a lot of conversation around what, as I said, what does Ryan do next? I think yeah. from a, a personal communications perspective, he just needs to sit and reflect, I think, for the next little while. No would, more would that have been your advice on no Wednesday? Like, had you been the person offering publicity advice, would you have said to do anything differently to what he did? So interestingly, to go back to what Gary just said, he put out, a, a statement was put out about an hour and 40 minutes after the report yeah. uh, was made published, mm. was was published and made, um, and, made available. And this is the one that includes the line that RT appeared to have taken such offence to. Correct. Now, he hadn't seen the report until it was published. So he only had an hour and 40 minutes to get that, that statement together mm. and put it out. In a scenario like that, we'd always say, do we need to get something out mm. so quickly? Can we just sit and reflect for the moment? Yeah. What do we want to say here? And also, I'm a big one for the what if, what if, what if. So if we do this, what happens? If we do this, what happens? If we do this scenario plan all yeah. the way through. So essentially, it would have been a one liner saying, I welcome the report. Um, but the other point is, just because you're asked to give a statement does not mean you have to give a statement. Um, so you may, you can down the road, but again, take time to reflect. And he, that's again what he needs to do now. I know he's going to be hounded to do media interviews at the moment. Mm-hmm. He needs to not do that. And there are quite the record. And hold he, he was invited if, if he wanted to take yeah. the opportunity to do it today. Understandably, mm. he's sitting it out for the time being. And there are questions of bad fate. I mean, in one of the papers, <laughs> there's talk that Turbidy seem are very upset because they were promised a, a report in advance and didn't get it and had to download it uh, like everybody else. Mm. Then there's uh, suggestions that uh, RT and Backhurst never wanted him back at all. But he is reported as being very deflated mm. uh, in RT at around uh, tea time on on Thursday evening. And, uh, you know, from... This is, is Mr. This Backers is Mr. Backers. And from looking deflated, at Backhurst yeah. uh, in his interview with Sharon Lee Violon on the Nine News and then with Sarah Merkin Ernie just a little uh, later yeah. on Prime Day, he did look a little bit uh, deflated. Now, he did have a few barbs. One of them was that Ryan has been very badly advised, which I wasn't sure it was really appropriate there for the DG number, to be. There were a number of barbs and nearly sometimes in terms yeah. of what he wasn't saying, yes. uh, you were picking up some nuance there. But I think, and it was really interesting to see the DG of the public service broadcaster on the nine o'clock news. Yeah. We came out of the nine. And, and, and I was going actually who are they going to have on prime time yeah, now that, and same then guy again he pitches and, and up then he again. went to Morning Ireland and then but he came here Gavin, his he hasn't been running away from the microphone no at all. not at all and his messaging has been crystal clear all the way through that so if you listen to one interview and listen to another he's yeah. saying the same thing so he's been you know he's been quite fair quite calm quite measured but measured but the consistency of the messaging but yes there were a number of barbs mm. there and one of the things that were mentioned were about leaks and this yeah, is it didn't on come f- from me he said quite yeah. explicitly and so the front the, the, page this, of, this intimation that Ryan Torberty was on the cusp of a comeback that well, wasn't going, RTE's briefing, he going said. Going back to the front page of the Sunday Business Post today with Killian Woods and Connell Thomas, um, and it says the perception that Tuberty's camp was also leaking details of pay talks to the media on Wednesday and Thursday uh, also mm. were causing issues. So I think, you know, and again, the Sunday Indo yeah. is saying backers wanted an excuse to pull the deal. So it looks like it was a very 
small excuse, not an excuse, yeah. something small toppled the card, mm. the, the house of cards. The other you interesting know? thing about Backhurst though is that unlike his predecessor, who I think only gave one interview in her tenure as uh, mm. as DG, which was to Sean O'Rourke, where she made the mm. extraordinary statement that RT couldn't have expected an election in 2016, even though mm. constitutionally we had to have one. Uh, yeah. You know, and there was lots of things that erupted, which caused RT to yeah. lose lots of money mm. that a year that he has been front and centre and RT now does seem to have a face uh, to present to the um, yeah. uh, to the people who pay the well, license fee well, or don't the, pay the, it as the, the yeah. case maybe well, which is an issue the, that well, this to me that the Taoiseach is, is mentioning on the front of the um, the Sunday yeah. Times uh, is the approach that he's taken up till now in, including doing a you know a media doorstep on the steps of the Department of Media on the Thursday before he even started the job on the Monday that does to me suggest that ba- Kevin Backhurst knows that there is a, a massive Publicity battle is the wrong word, but he, he knows that there is a serious job to be done to try and rehabilitate RTE's mm-hmm. image. And that to me su- suggests that the Sunday Independent headline, Backhurst wanted an excuse to pull out of the deal, that it might be hinting at something truthful. Because I, I suspect if Ryan Tuberty was on the cusp of a comeback deal and they were expecting an announcement mm-hmm. that he was back and then suddenly they got an announcement that he was gone, it suspects to me that RTE was doing a deal somewhat uneasily yeah, and that Kevin yeah, Backhurst and those around him knew that it would always be difficult to present this as new RTE mm. if some of the most high profile personnel and, and of the Kevin, old era were still there. Kevin Backer said in all the interviews he did, he wanted to be fair. And yes. he is a fair individual, yeah. he said, and he wanted to be fair and he wanted to look at a way to get Ryan back. So mm. that was what he was basing it on. As I said, it seems like there were issues going on in the background and that's why one or two small things ended up toppling the House of Cards. Yeah. But what they needed to be doing, you know, everybody can have conversations behind closed doors. What needed to happen was a united front when they went out to the public. And that's not what happened well, as a result and, and, well, of, of Ryan's is, is suggesting statement. in the Sunday Independent today, or rather those close to him, are suggesting that he would have been perfectly happy to issue a joint statement which accepted a certain amount of the flack for, for what had happened up to now. Which begs the question, Gary, do you think that it was a proportionate act by Kevin Backhurst if he was prepared, maybe with some reservations, but prepared to do a deal that would result in Ryan Tuberty being back on the radio in two weeks' time and then because of one sentence in one press release decides to drop them all together. There is, is a that certain, a proportionate response? There is a certain brutality to it uh, but I think Backhurst is in within his right certainly to um, to, to, to pull the, uh, the shutters down uh, on the on the plan to bring Turbidy back. On one level you can see certainly why RT would want to bring uh, Ryan Turbidy uh, back notwithstanding I think some decrease in his uh, in his audience rating for his nine o'clock show. Mm. He has been at RT for, like forever it seems uh, from his days as a uh, book reviewer when he was about like yeah. four or whatever <laughs> I think 12. But anyway, 12 on yes, uh, yeah. um, which is 38 years ago. Yeah, so yeah but, and he's sort of an RT uh, lifer. Well indeed it's uh, <laughs> Stop making us feel Okay, yeah, but enough. I do think it, it does show a certain uh, steeliness in, in backers. One of the, uh, the, the the pieces this morning, I can't remember where, uh, or might have been during the week. Uh, question is, backers is fair, but it is not to be not to be crossed. And mm. I think Tuberty uh, probably crossed him and uh, that, that line. And maybe he was looking for a uh, you know reason. Maybe he was a bit uncomfortable. But it seemed to me he had a decision made. But when. Uh, Mr. Turbidy and his advisors, for reasons best known to themselves, uh, put out that statement, which then, then gives a little leeway. Well, is he contrite? And there's a lot of talk here about the lack of contrition is mm-hmm. is what doomed uh, Mr. Turbidy. Then I, I do think, brutal or not, that Mr. Backers was probably within his rights. And he is 
is the new G's got an extraordinary job there's a piece by when my, Ivan Yates is quoted as saying yeah. Backers has no plan to save quote insolvent broadcasting mm. on Sunday and that was him speaking uh, on this station times yeah, yeah. Um, which seems to be sort of uh, you know having a judgement made up before he's a barely a wet week in the job but he's mm. he's made an impression let's put it like that and yeah. interestingly there was a piece during the week talking about visibility and how we have seen and heard more from Kevin Backhurst in the six weeks he's been in the job than we previously mm. did from the previous GG in yeah. the seven years. You which, know? which, to me, although pe- people will debate whether it was a proportionate response uh, to, to let the guy go when he was on the cusp of doing a comeback deal on Thursday, you can understand why Kevin Backhurst would be so um, peeved mm. at the public stance taken by Ryan Tuberty, or at least in that statement. Because if you're Kevin Backhurst, and you've just come into what's probably going to be the last and biggest job you're ever going to have, and you spent the last six weeks trying to put a vessel on an even keel mm-hmm. when it's taking on water, mm-hmm. and you've managed to finally allow some dust to settle on the whole thing. For Ryan Tuberty, one of the protagonists of the whole thing, to then question whether there was ever a scandal to begin with, because asserting that his wage had been correctly stated all along. It's a semantic argument, but you can understand why uh, Kevin Backers be so annoyed. Well, it's semantic, but it's also go, go, goes to the heart of the of the issue. Well, ba- Backers' yeah. view was that uh, while RT holds, as far as I understand it, why RT holds the main uh, share of the blame, and, and rightly so, that uh, you know Mr. Turbidy has to has to hold some of the blame. Uh, it, it goes back to Turbidy's first statement, where he said, "I've nothing to nothing to say," basically, that's, which was again yeah. sort of told. And yeah. that's told the genesis it. of why you know management and RT were were, were concerned about all of this but I thought uh, there was another piece in the Sunday Independent with Catherine Thomas who's coming on board with uh, Dahi O'Shea for the Rosa Tralee mm. next week as a, as a co-presenter and I just thought it was quite ironic some of her comments and obviously she was making them in the context of the Rosa Tralee but when you take them out of that context uh, she said she when she got the phone call about doing um, doing the show she said the first thing she did was picked up the phone to Dahi have yeah. a conversation with him and make sure that he was okay with it um, and she said in quoted from her piece she says because you've got to be able to work with someone Hmm. And I thought when you take that out of the context yeah. and put it into the Kevin Backhurst, Ryan Tuberty scenario, um, that just makes total sense. Uh, Texter says, how is all of that's happened at RTE Ryan Tuberty's fault? How about the board? They lied, deceived and are still there, says that Texter hasn't signed their name and who's made some some claims which maybe might not be stood up by full truth, but basically hmm. the suggestion that the, the regime that uh, oversaw all of this uh, accounting practice, Gary, in, in RTE... Much of it's still in situ. Much of it's still in situ, notwithstanding mm. some some reconstitution. Uh, but I, in one way, I I, I agree. I, I think, and I do think Darty holds the uh, holds the majority of the blame. And it is a pity that D uh, Forbes is is ill and hasn't been able to uh, go to either the PAC or the media committee because. You know, it happened on her watch. Mm. Uh, she came in as the, the commercial face, uh, you know, a woman who was appointed uh, with, with, I think, to be fair, uh, you know, a very impressive credentials back in uh, in 2015, 16. Um, uh, you know, hard-nosed uh, commercial, uh, took very strong decisions herself, <coughs> selling off part of the, uh, the RT campus. But all this sort of deal uh, and the, the whole Renault scenario happened under under Hallwash and she is a bit like Banco's uh, ghost I mean yeah. we don't we yeah. can't really get to the bottom of what happened and why it happened and Mr. Backer said this himself that he would like to know uh, why she took the decisions as she did but so I, I, I think RT and I think Mr. Backer does accept this himself that RT does hold the uh, the majority of the blame I think the yeah. problem for Tuberty is that he seems to have kind of gone full circle back to his first um, statement that yeah. uh, this was all RTE nothing to do with me at all but, and, uh, yeah, and this I think he's probably badly advised there and absolutely this is not the end of it for, for RTE and even um, the media committee chair Neve Smith is quoted in the mail today as well 
Um, we have to move on from Tuberty. RTE has to come up with a plan which convincingly displays that it's fit for purpose for the new media age and we want to hear from the board as a collective. Mm. So absolutely, this is absolutely going to going to roll on and especially around the whole funding scenario, the TV licence invasion, uh, evasion, I suppose invasion, yeah. um, and where's the funding going to, going to come from yeah. and the budget upcoming as uh, well. And, and that know? is something upcoming. Uh, I think Shane Ross, by the way, makes an interesting point in his column in the Sunday Independent today that uh, if Ryan Tuberty were to come back to air on Monday the 4th of September that's the same week that the Oireachtas Media Committee proposed to resume its hearings and it just would have made Ryan Tuberty's position on air very difficult if he was trying to not talk about something which was still uh, very dominant in the agenda Um, we're going to wrap it up in just a second Uh, one person says the lack of opportunity for Ryan Tuberty um, by way of other um, you know media work going in Ireland it just goes to underline the absurdity of how generously RT were paying him and other high profile presenters here in Ireland uh, says that person and someone else uh, has used WhatsApp 087-1400-106 to say do you not think it was extremely petty of RT to delete all traces of Tuberty from their social media Backhurst comes across as a good guy but I think he's acted in haste is it proportionate well, well, to, to I... remove all of Ryan Tuberty's pictures from for example the Late Late Show Instagram I think including the one where he was posted outside the Oris saying fo- oh suits I, you Ryan I, I, I really know better than me on this I tend to take a football analogy and I, it, although like it's not quite it doesn't really work in one way it's like a big transfer he's gone mm. you know and, and yeah. you move on and you but, know like, if you go back over Man United they're not airbrushing out all mentions no, of no, Ralph no, I think it's slightly unfair to airbrush him out because again he made he made a success the show we haven't airbrushed out Pat Kenny or Gayburn and I think it's it's, you know, in a, in a historical context, he was an important presenter. Um, so it does seem, I don't know if petty is the right word, a little mm. bit petty, but obviously they want a new clean slate. And yeah. I can understand that as well. So there's two, um, they have their new logo up, which is very mm-hmm. jazzy and American style. The owl yeah. seems to have disappeared. I'm sure the owl will be in the title sequence, even if not in the, they need the to, logo. need to come back. And there's two pictures of Paddy, of Patrick Healty mm. up there now at the moment. But again, what they're trying to do is draw a line so that, and interestingly, actually, no more than what Shane Ross is saying about it, if Tuberty had come back on the 4th of uh, September, Ryan Tuberty would have come back on the 4th of September Patrick Healty would have been coming on air on the 15th of September it all would have been quite messy mm. actually for want of a, of a better word so mm. it's potentially worked out better for Orty The salary question though is, 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 is certainly interesting and, and Tuberty in his uh, and Noel Kelly in, the, in their um, appearances the Oireachtas community he had taken quite a significant cut mm. over the course of a number of <coughs> a number of years and yeah, RT because when he's been doing his, his, his hour on radio and the late late yeah. in the early part of the naughty of the, the, yeah. the oh, he was on he was on 700 and something 800,000 yeah, yeah uh, something like that and um, so he has certainly taken a pay cut now the question when, when Pat Kenny moved uh, here to, to News Talk all those years ago that you know, this was the end of the 10 o'clock a slot on, on RT and then Sean O'Rourke came along and did a very good job and you know the ratings pretty much uh, pretty much held so yeah. the question is RT were supposedly bidding against them I was very struck on Thursday night uh, watching Primetime when Sarah McInerney specifically asked Kevin Barker about other salaries and he gave a very short answer uh, basically he said yes everything is under uh, under review and Sarah you know a very mm. formidable uh, interviewer yeah. quickly so, started so moved on <laughs> so it was so uh, it, it, it was a quite, uh, quite but, but I do think the question of uh, exorbitant salaries in RT has um, mm. has not gone down very well in no. RT uh, itself mm. and the, you know and we saw the protests there by uh, by mm. hard working members of all of which we would know well, from our deals with RT over the years we need to try and wrap it up because we've got other topics we want to talk about I suspect Do we? Pu- publicly <laughs> well there are some bits you know like for example banks giving out free money that wasn't actually free money uh, in a somewhat related note um, but I, I suspect the, the disclosure that Ryan Tuberty was going to be paid 170,000 for a primetime mm. week dislike, even if it was only one hour. I suspect publicly disclosing what the wage was means that there may be 
at least a commercial market for Ryan Tuberty services elsewhere on the airwaves, whether that be here in News Talk or in Virgin Media, where I work as well, or somewhere else. Um, it, it means that he's probably affordable, whether there is a slot or a format that can work for him is another question. But as, And as remember, the reason that figure, that, that Kevin Backer said that figure publicly is because transparency, transparency mm, yeah. and trust has to be at the very heart of the organisation well, uh, from uh, now on. I tend yeah. to think he will prop up somewhere in Ireland. Um, I mean, he is a very talented broadcaster. I've been on his show a few times over the years. Uh, he's very affable and able. And no, I, I agree, I don't think hard politics is really his his thing. And if you look back over the, the late, late show, some of his interviews with people like uh, Brian Cowan when he was Taoiseach, I mean, Lou MacDonald, I mean, we weren't, we weren't really getting cutting edge uh, mm. hardcore uh, politics. But then he's very impressive with... Uh, uh, with, with with some other stuff, so uh, I tend to think there is a space for him somewhere yeah. in the Irish media landscape. Uh, final two texts on this before I go to an ad break. Bridal Scold says on Twitter, "It now seems that Tuberty's offered to refund his overpayments, uh, that being the the hundred and fifty thousand that he ultimately received via RTE for work with Renault that he never did, uh, was a ransom note from Tubbs to RTE rather than an offer of restitution." Uh, says that person. And finally, for now, uh, let me pull it up. Stephen says on Twitter. Can we please drop the coverage of Ryan Tuberty? He's lost his job. He's yesterday's news. There are far more important news stories to cover that affect us all in the real world. No more gossip. Put Tuberty to the archives, says Stephen. Stephen, your wish is our command. We'll be talking more about other things entirely with Gary and Brita when we're back after this. Uh, an interesting piece, Gary Murphy, on page 13 of the Sunday Times by a strapping young columnist uh, under the headline, Free Money Fiasco Must Serve as a Lesson in Humility for the Banks. Uh, the author is someone called Gary Murphy. What's he saying? Uh, well, he's quoting the great novelist Richard Ford uh, because I, I be, I've been reading that brilliant book, uh, his, his latest one, uh, and uh, yeah, he, he's the great chronicler of the uh, of the American condition. Uh, but there, there's there's a scene with his hero Frank Bascom and a young woman in a hotel where where they both admit that service in America has become dire, is the word used, and it got me thinking that the service of uh, basically of banks has been pretty dire for uh, quite a number. Slightly more of, indispensable uh, service though uh, than hospitality. Pretty much. Well, yeah. well hospitality pretty pretty uh, important one would have uh, one would have would, mm. would surmise uh, so it got me thinking about about service and uh, my I got thinking also about the um, the really strange scenes on Tuesday night of people queuing up uh, to what seemed to withdraw uh, cash in, in weird it was to do with transferring money from to or from Revolut and yeah, then being I, able I, to take it off I didn't understand the, yes. re- the Revolut aspect of the whole thing mm. but the, the as I understand it it seemed to be as straightforward as Bank of Ireland had a pay at a, a IT issue, which meant that they couldn't check your, what your balance was at any one time. So if you went to an ATM and tried to make the maximum withdrawal of €1,000, they had no way of knowing whether actually your balance allowed that or not. So Indeed. the machine gave it to you anyway. Yeah, but they, 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 their backup systems clearly do know mm. uh, who and who, who to go money using a uh, card at a particular uh, machine. And, and they make the point in the piece, and I think it's important that Bank of Ireland should obviously go after uh, this money because it owes it to all its other customers, mm. uh, every single one of them who hasn't an opportunity to take out uh, a free money. But yeah. I mean... A, a lesson the, in humility for the well, banks. I think so, so because well, the banks have been, we we understand we know that the Bank of Ireland has made one point one and point oh five billion in the first six months of this uh, year in uh, in profit. Uh, there's a very good piece by John Walsh in the Sunday Business Post about the deposit interest uh, rates um, and how low they are in Ireland. Although mortgage interest rates are also relatively low in mm. uh, in Ireland in comparison to some of our of our European uh, counterparts. Going back over the years from AIB's bailout in 1986 over the Insurance Corporation of Ireland to the famous bank guarantee scheme of September uh, 2008, the, the 
banks have looked to the state at times to uh, to bail them out. And I don't see any humility in the meantime beyond various platitudinous apologies that we let the customer down. Mm. Uh, that was in the statement from Bank of Ireland. Uh, this week we saw their uh, chief Chief Executive came out then the day afterwards again saying we you know we haven't reached the standards our customers uh, require and uh, it was ever thus mm. is my uh, is my is my thesis and I think this is an opportunity for the banks too now you know banks need to make profits I, I you know yeah. I'm not in favor of this idea that you know banks should be nationalized although there was a certain nationalization in 2000 mm. uh, and they and we, and we need banks for a functioning no, we uh, nationalized but they were still allowed to to make profits and try to well exactly yeah. and and it, and it is to Bank of Ireland's credit as I point out that they were the first bank. Uh, to return to private ownership, no, albeit only in twenty twenty two. But I do think some humility uh, is in order. And I've never seen such humility uh, from from any of the banks. I also make one important point: there is there is a perception, and I think it's probably well made by many people that some people are treated differently by the banks uh, than others. And we've seen some high profile cases of various debt mm. uh, write offs uh, yeah. for for some people, and uh, and and stories of not for others. Mm. And uh, I I think. So that is something the banks uh, need to address. There's a whole raft of very impressive, I think, pieces. The Sunday Business was this very, yeah. uh, a very strong piece by Daniel Murray and Larkin Allen. Banks under uh, under fire. Uh, the, well, Miles O'Grady, the, the chief executive of BOI, is pictured there with Colin Hunter of AIB and Eamon Crowley, a permanent TSB, um, all looking pretty self-smug uh, and satisfied with themselves. Uh, and I'm not sure they have the, 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 uh, they have much to be satisfied about. Yeah, and I, like there's a pull-out quote in my own piece. The number one aim is making vast profits rather than serving customers. And my point is that vast is the uh, is the appropriate uh, mm. uh, word there. Uh, yeah. There's an interesting uh, couple of paragraphs in, in Gary's column, uh, Breda, um, that uh, Michael McGrath, the Minister for Finance, has asked the central bank to provide a full account of Bank of Ireland's online breakdown and to assess how similar problems can be avoided in future. McGrath has a certain, <clears throat> certain steeliness about him, but asking for a report into the problem and how it can be avoided in future doesn't exactly sound like a minister on the warpath with a bank that wouldn't exist were it not for state funding in the past. No, it doesn't. And it sort of feels like sometimes... The government is nearly afraid of the banks, you know, and at this point we've got a, a duopoly at this stage, but they're nearly afraid to call them, call them to heal. And, um, you know, it's very much the focus in the papers today and, and the piece, you know, Gary's piece and the piece in the Business Post is very much about the fact that um, nobody's getting any money or any interest on their deposit accounts. Obviously, yeah. we've got the uh, interest rate hikes in terms of mortgages, which mm. is causing a, a, a difficulty. But, and some and, people But are, anyone who's got a tracker will have seen how their, their mortgage has gone up. Absolutely. And, 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 and anyone who's got a, a, a small amount of savings and deposit will so, see that... Nothing's changed. Correct. Now, Including, by the way, the state, state savings bonds, which are still the, offering a fairly pitiful interest And this well. is exactly what John Walsh then says in his piece in the Business Post, that it's hypocritical for government ministers and TDs to take aim at the banks over deposit rates because post office deposit rates, which, are, which the government can control, are among the lowest in the EU and haven't budged. Um, as yeah. a result of of, of the uh, the recent hikes, there was another interesting piece in the post as well with uh, Lorcan Allen again, who's talking about the the three big banks making over five billion in profits, and he's quoting um, Damien Sheridan from Davies, who's saying the main problem is. Irish people are unsophisticated when it comes to their savings in Ireland and the savings industry. There's a lot of Irish people who sit on very large deposits and the argument is whether it's appropriate for all that wealth to be sitting in a deposit account. So we're a little bit reluctant to take the money out of, um, you know, what they call an overnight deposit account. Money, uh, an account you can get your hands on the money the next day as opposed to putting into it a longer term, a one year, a two year or a five year account. Um, And there is a difference there and there's probably an educational process that needs to happen to 
help people understand how that would work and how much they could get as a result. And I do think the banks have, have factored in that Irish people are very reluctant and I count myself among these uh, the Irish people involved uh, to move uh, financial um, providers. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean Charlie Weston really is forever like, even the Charlie Weston is always doing this on, on, on Matt's show on mm, the last word yeah. telling us to, to move and to shop around and mm. I think a lot of people are simply reluctant Ulster to Bank, do People so. still weren't even doing it. Well, like your bank is literally closing and people and still left weren't it to in the last it. minute. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And on that in terms of change there's a really interesting full page in the Business Post as well by Lorcan Allen. It's an interview with um, David Malone, who's the chief executive of the Irish League of Credit Unions. And they're basically saying that there's going to be some new reforms that are that are, are coming up um, that will allow credit unions to come together and invest in shared services and basically offer more services to customers. So it won't be a, a full-on bank as such, but it's yeah. another competitor. Um, they will be able to refer customers to another credit union um, and they will be able to allow the credit unions to, to, to share larger mm. loans um, and they, the they, mortgage they market as well as the other aspect. The mortgage market, but yes. there's still some regulatory issues around how much they're allowed to but lend. The, but they're the offering mortgage, is, mortgages yeah. at 3% it's saying here in some mm. cases. But the final point is, I mean, those who did queue up uh, at all odd hours uh, all across the state, I mean, would really want to have a good look at themselves as well in relation to the fact, you know, we all know there is really no such thing yeah. as, as free, free money. money yeah. and well, that, maybe uh, they were hoping that the, the record of, of withdrawals wouldn't ever catch up with well, them. Well, this is across social media, but <laughs> I mean, uh, the banks have, and, I, and BOI hasn't made 1.05 billion, whatever yeah. it is, in six months by being uh, willfully or particularly uh, stupid, which is, mm. I think, the phrase I use well, in the paper. someone else, Noble Guardian says, the tragedy of this BOI debacle is that the people who will ultimately suffer most are those who didn't have the money in their account in the first place. Anyone mm. who had a thousand euros in their accounts were perfectly free to take it out should they wish. Um, mm. That person makes the point. Um, somebody else is making the observation on our WhatsApp line 87 that Bank of Ireland has only recently adopted Apple Pay and Google Pay years after the other banks did so, which I'm actually a little surprised about because that meant that during the pandemic and we were all encouraged to use uh, contactless transactions that if you're a Bank of Ireland customer, you couldn't just hook it up to your phone. I'm kind of surprised to hear that. But someone suggested to me the other day, Breda, that there's it might well be the case that Bank of Ireland's IT systems are generally the IT infrastructure that surrounds ATMs is being allowed to wither on the vine because banks ultimately are relying so much on a cashless society that they don't expect ATMs to be used nearly as much and that therefore they don't really have that much of an interest in making sure that the customer facing side of their business is as well kept as it ought to be. Couldn't tell you the last time I took money out of an ATM pre-COVID probably Mm. on the basis that yes we're using our our apps all the time and, and going online so that makes sense but you can see as well with they're cutting down, I think, on the footprint of ATMs as well yeah. around the country. You see planning permission notices to remove. You have to get planning permission to re- remove an ATM from yeah. from buildings these there days. There was ructions where they so. tried to get rid of the one in Leinster House. Absolute ructions. Because everything was cash-based. Yeah, well, Gavin, just that it? Thought that, 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 well that there wasn't very much use for it, which is why ATM say, or AIB said there's not much value in having us here. And then there was some of the members were kicking up an awful fuss mm. about the inability to then just go and get cash at a moment's notice. But yes, they need to invest then in the digital side of things yeah. because that's where absolutely everything is going. But, but, but I think everyone needs to have a rethink about investing in uh, in technology. I mean, it is in this day and age ludicrous that we're being told that we won't be able to use our debit cards on our phones to pay for something as simple as a bus journey where you, if you go anyone goes to London uh, today I was right. in Edinburgh recently and I paid on a bus with my uh, with, with my debit card mm. and I just can't understand why Eamon Ryan I told us a few yeah. weeks ago that's that take it would take years, years. Yeah. it's just Baffling. the biggest belief so I think the state needs to have a rethink mm. about its whole IT service as well uh, Maria says final word on this before we go to a break the banks are propping up their profits with the help from the government by keeping property prices high a whole generation of young people 
are left to live at home or emigrate and can only dream of owning a place to live anytime in the future. Maria's inference is that this is the result of banks deliberately inflating prices of property beyond what they truly maybe ought to be worth. Still more in the papers. And we're back after this. Brita Brown and Gary Murphy still with us in studio. Gary, uh, let's go full political wonk for a moment. Uh, a great piece in the Mail on Sunday about some big news that's coming our way in the next week or two. Constituency redrawals. Everyone's favourite parlour game. The Gavin can't wait. The excitement of it. Yeah, Brian Mahan and John Drennan and then a little, uh, a little uh, pull-out piece by John on various potential uh, changes to constituencies and who might uh, suffer. This is the new Electoral Commission yeah. uh, headed up by, uh, by Art O'Leary who's quoted that it's a battle between geography and maths. Sometimes mm-hmm. geography wins, sometimes maths wins. Uh, we expect the the numbers of TDs to go up. Um, so it has to be at least between one seven one and one eight one. Yeah, but there's a there's an understanding around Leinster House that they'll go for the higher end because the they want end. to future proof the boundaries and not have them tinkered with again straight yeah. away. No, and it's all to do with the constitution, of course, which uh, one TD for every twenty thousand to thirty thousand people, and uh, we have been really pushing the boundaries of that. Uh, yeah. Without like the constitution, as we know, has been ignored mm-hmm. uh, over many years for many in many different things, um, but. Uh, but Arthur O'Leary certainly has the bit between his teeth that uh, constitutions mean something and that the, uh, the state should abide by by it um, whether we need a referendum in, in the future because Do you think there'd it, be the appetite? We have, we've had basically the same number of TDs w- with some minor adjustments for effectively 50 years Yeah it's gone between 148 and sort of 166 yeah. over so the course of those the Jack 50 Lynch times yeah, and then, exactly. it's, then it's pretty much stayed there ever since Yeah and we, 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 we went between 160 and 166 and I mean, going to 180 needs, you'll need 90 uh, for a majority in yeah. the uh, doll. Mm. And, um, you know, there is a there is a, a theory that uh, extended bones will be very good uh, for Sinn Féin because they will run two seats. But as we mm. know, polls sort of go up and, and well, down. They need to find um, the candidates to, to make you sure they You need to find candidates. Yeah. You, but also sometimes when your brand is in, your brand is in, as we saw yeah. with the uh, with the last uh, general election. And then there's some, there some speculation by uh, by John Drennan, including the... Uh, the talk that uh, my former DCU colleague, the current Minister uh, for Integration Indeed. and much else, Roger O'Gorman, is quote toast in uh, in Dublin West on, unless it goes to a, a five seater and even which, at a five seater, which it might well, it yeah. might well. But there's a talk of maybe changes in Dublin in Dublin South, and then of course you have geography comes into it with the whole mm. Sligo, Leitrim, Ross Common Triangle, as as John Drennan uh, yeah. exotically describes it in today's yes. mail, uh, the, the the Bermuda Triangle of sorts uh, of of well, well, people are attached yeah. to geography. They you are. See, they and are uh, Brida, what will you be looking out for whenever we get this report in a week or two? I d- just, it's going to be interesting because again, the Green Party do seem to be on, on shaky ground in sort of certain aspects. Um, but it's saying the redrawn constituency map will make or break political careers. But Art O'Leary is also saying they're more concerned with addressing the needs of the people it serves. Well, it'll make or break careers, which is the reason why wonks like me and Gary love it. <laughs> <laughs> August the 30th is the yeah. date. That's it. At the latest, yeah. At could, the latest. Could it could be earlier. earlier. And earlier. Pascal Donahue has been quoted saying that this has is. Uh, Changes right. coming, but also that <laughs> people are much more interested in this one than, than, than any previous. You could Indeed. see more resignations as well from could do. sitting could GDs do. if they feel they won't make it back. Uh, Gary Murphy of DCU and Breda Brown of Unique Media, thank you both very much for joining us. On the record with Gavin Riley, Sunday morning at 11. Brought to you by PWC. Transformation always disrupts, but it doesn't always need to be disruptive. On News Talk.